So I think it's going to be important, not only in the case of antibiotic-resistant infections, to find ways to boost immune function, but also in the case of people who have compromised immune systems. Hi, I'm Michelle Brubaker for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. And I'm Heather Bushman. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. Today on N Equals One, we're talking about antibiotics and new alternative approaches to fighting infections. So we've heard in the news recently about scary infections that are resistant to antibiotics. And just here in San Diego recently, there was a young athlete who, who got a flesh-eating infection and sadly lost his leg. And when they tried to treat him with antibiotics, it was, it was resistant. To the community, to parents, to people in general, um, they hear that and it's intimidating. It's, a, it's overwhelming, right? So can you talk to us about how that happens and why only to certain people? So why just him and not the other team members? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in that particular case, um, that boy was infected with what's commonly called MRSA. MRSA, that stands for Methicillin-Resistant Staphylococcus aureus. So long, scary name, but it just means that Staph, Staphylococcus, is the type of bacteria that he was infected with, and it's methicillin-resistant. Methicillin is a common antibiotic, so it was resistant to the standard treatments. Now, to your point about how does this happen, you know, and this is what parents ask all the time, mm-hmm. right? How, why did this happen to my child? Why my child? Especially when they're otherwise so healthy and normal. I mean, this boy didn't have any other health issues. He was a young athlete, like you said. Well, it's because we often, well, we often tend to blame these evil bacteria invading our bodies. We forget that a huge part of the equation when something tragic like this happens is our own immune systems. And so while on the surface he, this boy may have seemed normal and healthy and was, for whatever reason, his immune system, there was some breakdown in his immune system at that particular time. Okay, so his immune system dropped its guard at the wrong moment and the poor kid got this terrible bacterial infection. But on the other side of the equation, why is it that antibiotics sometimes don't work? Good question. To learn more about antibiotics and bacteria and new approaches to treating bacterial infections, I spoke with Ross Corridan, a researcher who studies infection-fighting white blood cells here at UC San Diego. Here's what he had to say. The thing that's wrong with antibiotics is that they all target very specific proteins and mechanisms in bacteria. And because they have very specific targets, it's very easy for the bacteria to evolve in a way that lets them overcome the effect of the drug. What's so concerning is that it seems like you don't know that your your child or a loved one is immune to this until you're faced with a situation that could be life-threatening. Right. Is, is, is there a way to know that you are antibiotic-resistant no, because beforehand? it's because it's, it's not your own body that's that's resistant to the antibiotics, and I think that's a common misconception. But it's the bacteria, right? To get these types of infections, it's almost like two rare things. Well, used to be rare, but are becoming increasingly common. Have to align perfectly, and that is exposure to this particular strain of bacteria that has developed resistance to an antibiotic, 
and then the, the lapse in your own immune system's ability to clear the infection. Mm -hmm. Bacteria have a bit of an advantage over us in that they divide, basically create new generations of bacteria every 30 minutes or an hour. We, to create a new generation is every 25 years. Longer if you go to grad school. <laughs> but, um, so they can evolve much more quickly than we can. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is they get exposed, the bacteria infecting our bodies get exposed to antibiotics, but they're dividing and generating new bacteria so quickly that they can adapt to that and evolve and find ways around it. I do want to point out that antibiotics, while we've seen their utility diminishing as bacteria develop resistance, they are still one of the greatest medical marvels in the last century, <laughs> yeah. right? And they are still, you know, are going to be our first go-to mm -hmm. um, weapon in the fight against an infection. So we don't want to completely bash antibiotics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the, we're they not saying very antibiotics have failed and we're done, but, you know, we might be forced into that situation yeah. when... Often in the news, you'll see headlines about how some new strain of bacteria has failed against even the last resort antibiotics. We kind of got complacent, right? I mean, as researchers, companies, governments, we've gotten complacent in saying, oh, we've got antibiotics, that's great, we're curing all these infections that used to kill people, and then we moved on our way, and now we're on to trying to cure other things. So there's no pipeline behind these. You often hear people saying that that's at least partially because pharma companies just aren't interested in developing new antibiotics since they're not big money makers. But here's what Ross had to say when I asked him if that's starting to change. That's really hard to say. However, I think that market forces eventually will drive them back in that direction. But is it going to be soon enough? That's really the issue. Mm -hmm. By the time it becomes profitable, for us to have new antibiotics, if, when it becomes profitable for these uh, pharmaceutical companies to start developing new antibiotics, is going to be too late. I mean, because at that point, it's going to be profitable because there's not much else on the market. So eventually, I think that that could happen. But I think really what you're going to see in the next 20 years is an increase in drug development efforts coming out of academia. And I think that's the direction it's going in with, with antibiotics. And I think it's a very nice uh, niche, basically, for academia to fit into in terms of contributing to the development of therapeutic agents. So what are some alternatives to using antibiotics? That's something I talked to Ross about. He and other researchers in Victor Nizet's lab are looking at exactly this. They're trying to find new ways to help your body get rid of an infection without using antibiotics, or even that concept of antibiotics, which is target the bacteria, kill, kill, kill the bacteria. Instead, they're taking an approach that closely parallels one of the hottest things going right now in the field of cancer treatment, and that's this idea of immunotherapy. So in this, researchers are trying to better enable a person's own immune system to recognize cancer cells as dangerous or foreign and therefore destroy a tumor on its own. It's a more targeted approach and one that's more likely to kill cancer cells without harming healthy cells like traditional treatments like chemotherapy or radiation so often do and cause terrible side effects. Similarly, in fighting infections, Ross and and Victor and other researchers are looking at 
immunotherapy to fight infections, and that means finding ways to boost a person's own immune system so the immune system is better equipped to fight off the infection. I'll let Ross explain. So the approach that I've used is targeting the white blood cells and making them better at killing bacteria. The reason that works is because white blood cells have a huge number of ways uh, that they can kill bacteria. And so it's much harder for the bacteria to overcome this sort of huge broad spectrum of weapons that neutrophils and other white blood cells have at their disposal uh, than it is for them to overcome the effect of a drug that's targeting just a very specific single protein that they produce. How are researchers doing that? I mean, how does one convince the immune system to do its job better? Ross has a really cool example where they've actually found that the breast cancer drug tamoxifen actually gives white blood cells a little bit of a boost. So white blood cells are the infection fighting cells in our, in our bodies and he's specifically looking at a type called neutrophils. So I've been looking at uh, drugs that are already in use for other purposes, so repurposing drugs, and one of the drugs that I've looked at is tamoxifen. So tamoxifen is classically known as a breast cancer drug. But the receptors that tamoxifen targets in breast cancer cells, those same receptors exist in neutrophils and other white blood cells. And what we found is that although we didn't know that tamoxifen had any effect on the white blood cells, when we tested its effect on white blood cells, we found that it enhanced the number of the behaviors of the white blood cells that helped them to kill bacteria. What's the advantage of this neutrophil boosting approach? For that, here's Ross. Because it's going to be a lot harder for a bacteria to evolve resistance to a neutrophil approaching it and killing it, white blood cell killing it, than it is to a single drug that's affecting one gene. And why is that? Uh, because, let's see, what would be the best way to describe this? Um, I didn't think of an appropriate analogy, <laughs> but no um, let's see. You can learn to dodge a punch, but uh, if somebody approaches you with a gun, I don't know, there's not much you're going to be able to do. That's terrible. But <laughs> I mean, the, the neutrophils are basically the brute force, okay. um, the brute force of the body's immune system uh, that goes and has a multitude of mechanisms mm -hmm. for clearing bacteria. So. Uh, we may, it may be much too early to talk about this, but where are they looking or what, I guess, health situations would they be looking to use that, right? So I have, I have bronchitis. I have, you know, something where I would normally take an antibiotic or that is what would be prescribed to me. Where, in what situation would this be prescribed or are they thinking? Right, so I think at the, at the moment, researchers are thinking that this, these types of immunotherapy approaches wouldn't be the first okay. approach. Uh, I think antibiotics, when they work, they work great, mm -hmm. and they're well-tolerated, they're relatively inexpensive, uh, so that would be the, still be the first choice. But for cases where antibiotics don't work, or a patient has another underlying problem, then immunotherapy might be a good alternative. Here's Ross. So I think it's going to be important, not only in the case of antibiotic-resistant infections, to find ways to boost immune function, but also in the case of people who have compromised immune systems, having some of these drugs that can target white blood cells and make them better at their jobs is going to be really helpful, and I hope, for people um, who have these immunodeficient issues. All right, so I'm sold on this immunotherapy alternative to antibiotics, but now lay the data on me. What does tamoxifen do in the context of infection, and how do researchers know? So they're finding that 
tamoxifen is one, just one example where it's a drug that can give neutrophils a little bit more of an edge over invading bacteria. Here's what Ross is doing. We have a lot of different experiments we can use to study the function of uh, white blood cells like neutrophils. And so one of the most common experiments we do in the lab I'm working in is we simply take these white blood cells and we mix them with bacteria. And what we can do is after the bacteria and white blood cells have been sitting together for a certain amount of time, the neutrophils or white blood cells will kill the bacteria. So we can take a sample out of uh, that uh, combination of the bacteria and white blood cells and we can count the number of bacteria that are left over after you've uh, kept the two cells together for a long enough period of time. And that gives us a way to understand um, how effective the neutrophils are at killing the bacteria. So when you add tamoxifen, for example, to that experiment, you see that the neutrophils kill more bacteria? Yeah, so when you add tamoxifen to bacteria by themselves, the tamoxifen doesn't really do anything to the bacteria, but when you mix neutrophils and bacteria together and add tamoxifen, suddenly the neutrophils become much better at killing the bacteria. Mm -hmm. So. And then you also tested this in, in animal models? Yes, so we also tested it in an animal model of MRSA infection. So in that case, we pre-injected uh, the animals with tamoxifen and looked to see how well the animals cleared the infection, and we saw an improvement in the clearance of the infection right. in that case. So it looks like the drug tamoxifen gives neutrophils a boost in the lab. Does it do the same in patients already taking tamoxifen to treat breast cancer? So no one has really looked at this before because they didn't really think to look at that, right? right? I mean, usually you're looking at tamoxifen for its efficacy against right. breast cancer. Here's what Ross and other researchers in Victor Nizet's lab are doing. So the next step for us is actually we're going to be looking at some patient data. So looking at uh, the records of patients who have taken tamoxifen and looking to see what the incidence of infections uh, was in these patients. So that's the next step. Uh, eventually, we'd like to potentially test um, in clinical trials, the effectiveness of tamoxifen or a similar compound, but that's a little bit ways down the road. So it's a really exciting study because while it is in mice, we already know that tamoxifen is safe mm -hmm. in humans, right? It's mm -hmm. already been right. used. And so this actually brings up a whole other concept of drug repurposing. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea that we have so many drugs out there either currently being used to treat other things, other diseases and conditions, or drugs that were tested, didn't make it through clinical trials, weren't FDA approved for whatever specific thing they were being tested for, so they just ended up on a shelf mm -hmm. and aren't being used. But it doesn't mean that it's just a failed drug, it just means it failed to show that it was effective enough against whatever particular thing it was being tested for. So pharmaceutical companies, research labs have tons of these things just sitting around could open a whole new world yeah, with really. all of these different drugs like you were saying yeah. earlier. We want to close by emphasizing that antibiotics have saved many lives and continue to do so. But as many strains of bacteria continue to develop resistance to them, we may not always be able to rely on antibiotics to fight infections. We need research on alternatives, immune-boosting drugs like tamoxifen potentially, as we discussed because we may really need them someday soon. Absolutely, we need to have alternatives available. And that's why the work that Ross, Victor, his lab, and other researchers are doing is so crucial. So we don't have a case where we have a young boy uh, needing a leg amputation due to a bacterial infection, right? If there's any other way that we could help that patient fight off the infection, 
before it gets to that point, um, you know, that's that's what we need. Yeah. For N equals one, I'm Heather. And I'm Michelle. Thank you so much for tuning in.